what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Exchange on the Mesh Podcast Network, a monthly conversation about startups and small business with ideas, tools, and advice to operate your business more effectively. On today's show, what are the common mistakes that you can make that will be fatal to your business? We'll talk with Tim Reynolds, a CPA with over 25 years experience working with businesses of all sizes to soak up his experience. And we'll see if listening to too many podcasts makes his list. Also, we'll have our Small Business of the Month feature, where we'll be sharing interesting businesses that you should be checking out. Hello, my name is Jeff Newville. I'm your co-host. I'm director of the Small Business Center at Catawba Valley Community College in Hickory, North Carolina. I'm joined by my co-host, Gary Muller, who is dean of the School of Workforce Productivity and the Arts da, 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 da. And, and other things at Catawba Valley Community College. Gary, how are you doing today? Jeff, I'm doing great. It's been a great month since I've seen you last. <laughs> well, uh, you, Actually, you I've seen me. you many times. You've seen me Put during on the month. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Well, we, we, Wake Forest is 3-0. and And I have to say that because we could be 3-8 and when it's all said and done. Well, Wake Forest football, you should be proud of it. They've done very well for themselves. My University of North Carolina team has high hopes as yes. well. A little slower I start. they'll be but... much stronger than we will be at the end of the season. But it's nice to have won three games. Well, and then I played golf for the first time in two years. Well, how did that go? I'm not playing ever again. <laughs> I don't believe you, but uh, it, it's good that, good that we're here. Good that uh, Tim's going to be joining us in a second. I was I was cruising around the internet, you know, which you pay me to do. Yes, um, and uh, came, that is true. came across an interesting article that I, I in the, the magazine Fast Company or their website Fast Company about if you're if you're a startup, if you're a small business, you probably don't have a big budget. You probably you maybe you've started to hire some employees, but you're just scraping by. And the question that this article tried to address with uh, some panelists is, how do you recognize and reward your team when you don't have a big budget? So I sort of went through here and picked out a few and just wanted to bounce you thought about me, I bet. <laughs> I'm, I'm not complaining. I'm not complaining at all. Uh, I feel very recognized and acknowledged in my work. I think at the you're wonderful. There you go. That's, so, so here are some of the ideas that their panel threw out. And I wanted to see to see if you would go along with these ideas, whether you disagree with these ideas, or maybe you have some ideas Got of your pencil. own. Okay, I'll even I'll share this article that I printed out with you. Okay. So number one, send personalized gifts. So, if how I, personal? I well, I don't think underwear, <laughs> but I don't know. I mean, I, I guess it depends on the individual. You know, I'm thinking if I was to send you a personalized gift, maybe it would have something to do with your alma mater, Wake Forest. Mm-hmm. You you that would be good. You know, in your younger days, you were quite the golfer. If you sent me some golf balls, I could have used them. So, so, so personalized gifts would be something. You'll have to think about what, what I don't know, what, what would you send me? Gosh, you have so many interests. I, I, I'll, let you, I'll let you ponder that one. Um, now, see, tell me what you think about this one. I'm not, as, this, I'm not sure you or I would be as big on this one. It says establish dedicated praise channels, and they talk about being on the uh, using Slack. I don't have, have you used, used Slack I've never before. Used Slack. I've been I, called Slack. But okay, I've never so used it. so I'm not sure that would work for you. Um, have you used it? I have, but I've not 
it's not been a very satisfying experience for me. So, so it's how's it's, that work? That's a different that's okay. a different podcast. That's another here. podcast. We're not going to go into okay. that. Uh, publish shout outs on social media. I'm good with that. You'd be good with that. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I think that's a good, nice yeah. thing to do. I think you know, it's, you know, we, we I, try to do some of that at the community college. I yeah. suspect that that uh, businesses can do some of that and yeah. share share some of the recognition there. Uh, host team activities, which made me think about when when the college took us to that escape room and you were in chains and couldn't escape. Yeah, I think that was really a good experience for everybody but me. Okay. Yes, they did tie me up and put a hood on my head it was to take like, me in the room. Was, it was, was really it the, cool. Was it the bondage room? What room was that? I had no idea. Yeah. Uh, but I've never let anybody forget that. And of course, nobody else has let me forget it either. I, I wish we had pictures to share. <laughs> uh, give small tokens of appreciation. By the way, they're probably really thinking a lot of our community college. <laughs> we put a hood on the dean and then chained him. I, I think it's a standard operation at most community <laughs> there colleges, go. Gary. Don't it was worry. budget time. Yeah. Small token, provide small tokens of appreciation. Like, you know, I, I, I mean no disrespect. You, your diet, I could give you a $20 gift card to McDonald's and maybe you would be happy. No, I'd be ecstatic. Okay. <laughs> there you go. Small tokens of appreciation. That's right. Is that something that you could do? It's a big day. I might take my wife. You're the hopeless romantic. Here's one that I like. Give handwritten notes. My wife loves that. Tammy does. Yeah. And I think it's a great idea. Yeah, I think very it's personal. Sh- personal. It shows effort. People don't do it that much no, anymore. No, I think it's a great idea. So, so consider doing that. Uh, the last two, uh, empower your employees and ask for their input. Really engage and involve them. Doesn't really cost you that much. You might get some good ideas out of it. Why don't, well, you, I, why don't you ask me for input, Gary? Well, I empower you to do whatever you would like to do because I know you're going to do it anyway. Okay. Well, fair enough. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate and that. And I ask for your input all the time. I appreciate that empowerment. There you go. <laughs> it gives me comfort on, on when, I'm, when I'm on a podcast with you. There you go. That's so, exactly yeah. right. So anyway, there's some ideas. This, I found this uh, on the Fast Company website, so you can go check it out and, and look for some other ways that you know, perhaps you've got some employees, don't have a big budget to uh, have the big end-of-year celebration or get big bonuses, so be thinking about other ways that you can recognize and acknowledge your people. Recognition is critical in all seriousness. Okay. Well, let's welcome our guest. Tim Reynolds is with us. Tim, how are you doing? I'm doing great. It's great to be here, guys. I'm glad you're with us. Tim is a tax principal with the firm of Davidson, Holland, and Weitzel, which we'll call DHW because that's a mouthful. Yeah. Uh, here in Western North Carolina, Tim brings over 25 years of experience in areas of federal and state income, transactional excise taxes, as well as general accounting and financial statement preparation. Additionally, Tim serves as an operational consultant for the retail, restaurant, grocery, and manufacturing industry. Uh, he tries to think like the owner of the business and tries to provide his clients solutions, uh, thinking like an owner. Uh, so, Tim, I uh, really appreciate you joining with us today and, and uh, being on the Entrepreneur Exchange. Yeah, yeah thank Did you. Did you bring Tim so I would know what a real CPA looks like compared to me? Is that what you... Yeah, you you're both have blazers on. So you're, I, I uh, thought about that. Yeah, I you're, said, you're, you're both we, looking, we dressed right. Yeah, so you're, you're both looking like accountants. Well, Tim, I know that you've... 
you've not been with DHW that long, so tell us a little bit, a little bit about your role with DHW and the work that you do with, with startup businesses and small businesses. Yeah, and um, mostly focused on tax and the, the financial statement aspect of clients' businesses and um, you know, just helping them navigate through the different challenges and different issues that they face on a daily basis or yearly basis at, at that. Um, we work a lot with the you know a lot of variety of clients, a lot of different services, a lot of different industries. Mm-hmm. So um, that's kind of a nice uh, you know mix there that we uh, work with. I always like working with the small, the new startups. I you know it's mm-hmm. it's a it, it's exciting for them. Um, it's uh, you know they're they're ready to go. They, they I love the passion, um, but I also like working with them a lot just because those those are the ones I feel like I can I can help the most and get them off off on a right foot. Uh, whether it be an accounting, you're credible to their success too. Yeah, they you go know, into it with rose colored glasses a lot right, of times. Exactly. Uh, so, uh, just having uh, been through a lot of those and, and helped a lot of clients with um, a lot of issues and getting them started on off on the right foot has has always been a lot of fun. Um, but uh, you know, we we focus obviously on tax and accounting, but we also as strategic consultants, we look at industry issues, we look at operational issues, and we you know try to you know help clients increase profits, reduce risk, and really plan for any future transitions or ownership uh, changes in the business as well. well. Good deal, good deal. And um, one question that I always get, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll sort of throw it to you, is you know, and, and we were talking a little bit about uh, when we were talking about rewarding employees for a startup or small business when they don't have big budgets. It's some, somewhat similar for those companies when they're working with professionals like mm-hmm. yourself where they, you know, they're not in a position to bring a full-time accountant on staff. You know, so do you have any uh, recommendations on how some small businesses or new businesses can work with accountants or accounting firms or bookkeepers and, and do it in the most cost effective way. How do you, how do you yeah. guys, how do you guys look at that? Yeah. A couple of things here. Um, organization of record and record keeping is key. You know, doing a lot of that stuff yourself can save you a lot of money and a lot of time of our time, really. Um, you know, and I got, I got a shoebox with a bunch of receipts. Isn't that <laughs> enough for you? Come on. Um, maybe. A stereotype. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, really doing a lot of the organization and record keeping and keeping that in great order on your own will save you um, uh, lots of money. Because yeah. if you have us do it and you pay us our, you know, a, a rate to do that for you, it's going to be a little more expensive. I think uh, looking back on my career as a newly minted accountant out of the University of Toledo, one of my first clients, you know, I worked in, worked in Cincinnati, was a restaurant. And... Uh, the client would bring in their stuff, and I'm not kidding you, in two large paper grocery sacks. And it was every ticket from that month from every customer. So you can imagine what that looked like, right? And the bottom of the box were the bank statements, and it was just greasy, and you could see the bag was just a mess, and it was almost falling out of the bottom. But um, And I, I told the client, I said, listen, I said, you know, I could probably save you a lot of money on your monthly bill if you go through these. And she's like... I don't care. That's what I pay you for. Just get it right and and do it and don't worry about it. So um, that's one thing is really doing a lot of that um, on the front end. And we see a mixed bag of that. Some people, you know, don't want to mess with it. Hey, here it is. Some people, you know, bring in stuff and it's in pretty good order, but it, it makes for a smoother engagement and, and um, all that all that. Well, they have stuff. good records. You're not be able to help them much more because yeah, you don't absolutely. know what got missed. Right, right. The, yeah, when they bring absolutely. in the greasy shopping bag yeah uh, and, and do you 
do you guys work with people like on a monthly basis, quarterly basis, or just sort of dependent on the client situation? I mean, I, I know some people struggle with making sure they handle their sales tax correctly, mm -hmm. that they might have to send into the state on a quarterly basis. Right. Yeah. It, it's a mix, uh, and, and a lot of it's deadline-driven. So some things there are that you have to work with them on a monthly basis. Some are quarterly, and some can be mm -hmm. just an annual thing. Yeah. Um, so we see a little bit of everything, and it's a lot, like I said, a lot of it's deadline-driven. So it, it just depends on the situation. The other thing I would say is communication um, in terms of, um, you know, just um, if you have a question or if you're not sure about something, um, that gut feeling just says, you know, I'm not sure if I should do this right. Call us, you know, mm -hmm. because I've seen so many times it's like, well, you know, I, I, I think I know, but I don't want to pay, you know, an attorney or a CPA to kind of be a backboard on it, but I'll just go ahead and do it anyway. And what happens is they go down a wrong path and it, it just, you know, snowballs from there. So um, the point is, you know, trust yourself, you know, trust your gut and, you know, please communicate with us because chances are we've either navigated through that issue with another client or we know how to, you know, help you get in the right spot. And, um, you know, that little bit of upfront cost can go a long way in terms of saving long-term dollars. Um, the last thing I would say is seek to really understand and learn, you know, kind of the services that we provide. You know, don't view it as more of a transactional or just a necessary evil. You know, when we give the financial statement, um, look at the numbers and see how those, you know, equate to your daily operations and what you do in your business and really understand and value that, you know, benefit that we can provide. For instance, if I'm a, uh, if I own a bakery and, you know, I, I have a customer order, I make a fabulous cake and customer comes in and picks it up. They're happy. I'm happy. I've taken a lot of pride in what I do. That's great. High five. But I think the other aspect of that is, you know, um, I remember on my financial statements that my gross margin is 50%. So if I thought if I sold a $30 cake, that's 50% going to my gross margin. So having that little bit of a business mindset at the same time as having some fun running your business is also key. But um, the point is just really understand kind of your financial statements and really what you do and how that equates. Do to you walk through the analysis like that with them, even yep. if it's just briefly on a monthly basis? Absolutely. We, um, we try to do that. Uh, most people want that. Um, yeah. Some people, you know, it, it depends. It, yeah. it, some people already know it. But you're right. That's good. critical. Yeah. So it's just, you know, here's your financial date. Don't here's your financial statement. Don't just throw it in a corner yeah. and, you know, not look at it really. Yeah. Um, you know, use it as a tool. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, and, and some not everybody speaks that language, and, and <laughs> uh, sometimes true. it's a challenge. So, yeah. <laughs> so when uh, let, let's talk a little bit about your work with uh, uh, businesses and the mistakes that they see. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I, I've you know, and this is not an exhaustive list by any means, but these are probably the most common ones that that I've run across and probably the most critical ones that I've seen, you know, clients get tripped up on. And, you know, just when I think that I've seen it all, here comes something else. And it's like, oh my gosh, you know, you know, what, how in the world this happened? So, um, but, you know, the first one is, and this is probably not a surprise to anyone, it's cash flow <laughs> under capitalization of a business. And, you know, cash is king, and that statement could not be more true. I mean, no matter what you're doing, I mean, cash is the blood, is the lifeblood of, of, of any business. So, um, really, uh, you know, monitoring that and keeping on top of that, looking at your uh, weekly inflows, outflows. Um, you know, a lot of folks you know, cap, you know, start up a business or capitalize a business with um, some are, you know, uh, can get uh, SBA loans, traditional financing. Others max out credit cards, borrow from family, friends. You've, I've seen it all, and that's okay. 
but um, you know, really uh, maintaining that weekly focus on understanding kind of what's coming in, what's going out, and planning for that, and being proactive and being ahead of that, um, and taking a really realistic approach to making sure you're capturing all that data is key. The other part of that is accounts receivable. It kind of t- goes hand in hand. If you're selling on credit, you got to understand that there's going to be a gap between that sale and when you're going to get the money. And it's very important that you monitor that on a, on a very you know frequent basis. Um, you know, don't let customers string you out. Make, you know, get aggressive with collection efforts. So, um, and the last thing is, I would say, is the banking relationship. Um, you know, develop a strong working relationship with a bank if you if you if you're using a bank. Um, communicate with them, you know, be honest with them. You know, if you're having problems, uh, you're struggling, go go talk to them. I and mean, chances are pretty good they can help you. And they'll they'll like you a lot more if you come on their door, you know, 30 or 60 days ahead versus waiting until the last it's minute. Better to because, get bad news early rather than later, yeah, well, not only Yeah, not only that, getting finances is, is a process. Yeah. You know, we just don't go to a bank and get a loan. And, you know, a lot of Do times you work with clients to help them prepare? Absolutely. Of course, you're preparing the financial statements. So yeah, that makes so... Sense. Um, you know, banks see a little bit of everything kind of like what we do. And if they see a financial statement that looks like, a, you know, a, a second grader put it together, you know, how's that going to look, right? right? So a lot of times, um, you know, they'll come to us and say, hey, you know, I want to go get financing, you know, take a look at my financials or, you know, help me get in a good spot to make sure this is going to pass, you know, uh, the mm-hmm. test here. So, um, you know, don't wait till the last minute. Um, the bankers will not uh, be happy, but uh, they'll probably still more, be more than willing to help you. But the point is, um, you know, sometimes when you're waiting on that, you know, the clock's ticking and, you know, you need that money now. And, you know, that could, you know, just snowball into more problems. Yeah, so. Well, and, and I know that one of the issues that we always run into with our, our small business and our clients is trying to make sure that they start their business with enough money in the right. bank. Yeah, to everyone thinks that as soon as they open their doors, uh, they will be wildly successful. Mm -hmm. We certainly hope that's the case, but more often than not, it does take a while to build your your customer base. So you really need to to make sure you've got enough money in the bank to cover you over those initial three, six, nine months to to make sure that you've got enough money to – to pay your rent, pay you know whatever expenses you've got out there, you know, and not not assume that uh, you know people are not going to rush to you as soon as uh, as soon as you open the doors. We sure. hope that they do, but right. uh, it doesn't often work that way. Yeah, and that kind of leads into my second point here is uh, really understanding your cost and uh, you know taking a realistic approach to you know whatever you're selling, whether it be a service or a product, is understanding all the costs that you are you're going to incur, whether it's initial startup fees or Whatever, whatever it may be, equipment, you know, things of that nature. And, you know, the materials and, you know, labor and all that good stuff that goes into that is is key because nobody wants negative profit margins. And, we, and you know, unless you're not-for-profit, I mean, you start your own business, that's one of the key things of going into business, right, is to make money. So um, just taking a realistic approach, monitoring and analyzing those on a frequent basis, um, you know, analyzing the competitors, the market, you know, what – what they'll bear. Um, this is this is a monthly, you know, weekly. It could be a weekly thing that you look at, but not only that, just scrutinizing every line item on that profit and loss to really um, dial down into you know what the true costs are and, and understand that adjustments might might need to be made. Um, it can also bring to light some issues. So back to my baker example, if I'm own a bank bakery and I notice from 
uh, you know, one quarter to another quarter, my flower costs are way out the roof. You know, what's going on there? You know, let's dive into that. Let's find out what's going on. Um, you know, is it due to rising flower costs overall? Is it is it is it time to change the supplier? Um, do we have to order differently, or do I have theft? I mean, it could be a whole host mm-hmm. of things. So, uh, you know, looking at those items on a on a and, and scrutinizing those is is key. The third thing here uh, is taxes. Everybody's favorite subject, right? I mean, we all love paying those, right? <laughs> it's a necessary evil. <laughs> That's right. That's a necessary evil. Mm-hmm. But um, taxes are always a big um, issue and, and a source of anxiety for clients. You know, nobody likes to get a notice in the mail, and it's all like, oh, my gosh, what do I owe? And uh, so that brings the blood pressure up a tick or two. But, uh, you know, really the biggest thing with taxes is, is um, you know, a lot of people don't want to – they don't understand them or they don't – they obviously don't want to pay them. Um, and sometimes they're simply not aware of them, you know. They get into selling a product or something. They're not aware of you know, licensing issues or sales tax issues, use tax issues. It's a whole host of things. But on the income tax side, just understand however you're structured, whether it be a sole proprietorship or you're in a partnership or S-Corp or C-Corp, you need to understand kind of how you're going to be taxed and how that's going to flow to you personally. So that, you know, there might be estimated payments required involved with that. So uh, just really understanding your structure and how you're going to be taxed for income tax purposes. Sales taxes. Well, well, I have a question on that. It's sort of a question I get, and I don't think there's an easy answer to it. In that, if you're talking about income taxes, and and if you're self-employed, you know, you're you don't have someone paying a portion of your payroll taxes. So now that's something that you've got to be dealing with. And if I'm a startup business, I know we can do quarterly estimated taxes, but gosh, I don't know. I don't know where to start. I don't know. You know, and and I, I don't want to get killed. Uh, having to write a big check, which my bank account might not be able to support uh, when it comes uh, tax time. So uh, any advice that you give to folks when they're in startup mode in terms of quarterly estimated taxes or putting some money away to make sure that they don't get whacked uh, when it comes to tax time? And I think that's important going back to the financial statements is really looking at those on a frequent basis to say, hey, where am I tracking here? Because as a sole proprietor, you're required to make estimated payments on a quarterly basis. So um, you know, understanding kind of where you're tracking. And we do a lot of this with our clients to say, okay, give me your financial statements. Where do you think we're going to land for the year? And kind of projecting that and saying, you know what, um, you need to pay something in in, in this quarter. Um, you know, you have a bad quarter. You might not need to pay in anything in that quarter. But really just kind of looking at overall, you know, paying attention, kind of, you know, keeping your mm-hmm. eyes on the road type thing um, to make sure that you're paying in sufficient uh, quarterly estimates. Because if you pay it all at the end, and you owe the IRS wants their money as you earn it, so they're going to probably tack on some underpayment interest and penalty for not properly estimating. Yeah. So um, that's kind of how we work with the income tax side on that. But um, that's a great question there. But this podcast is sponsored by Jackson Creative, a custom communication agency located in downtown Hickory, North Carolina, specializing in online content creation. To learn more, visit thejacksoncreative.com. Jackson Creative, we tell your story. Um, sales taxes are another big area. Uh, if you're selling a product, uh, especially if you're selling it out of state. So if you're selling it out of North Carolina, you know, you, we know the North Carolina laws for the most part. But if you're selling out of state, you might be on the hook, depending on what you're doing or how you're delivering your product, for other states' taxes. So um, that's always out there <clears throat> um, uh, to, to be aware of. Payroll taxes, we talked about that uh, Payroll is probably one of the most complex areas that I see 
small business owners get tripped up on. It's uh, you know some of the stuff can be pretty pretty complicated. Um, if you're not confident with managing payroll uh, for your your, your employees, um, find help. You know, seek help. Have somebody else do it. When I was back in my industry days, I was in charge of payroll for 4,000 people. And the first thing I learned is if you want to get somebody's attention or get them mad at you, screw up their paycheck. So it's very important. You don't want to do that to your employees. Your employees work hard for you all week. That's the last thing they need is a payroll screw up. So, I mean, so I, you know, my when, when someone comes to me asks about payroll taxes, I'm generally saying – Find, find a service to do your yeah. payroll taxes because, it, it, as you said, it's very complicated. You're running your business. You're wearing so many different hats. I, right. to, to me, it would worry you me. You need to learn that, another skill. You need to have somebody that can help. Yeah, yeah. And, and sometimes if you if you really mess it up, you know, you, you don't have just the federal government. You have a state mm-hmm. or local agency that, you know, might trickle down to them, too. So, you know, you're, you're dealing with payroll notices from three different sources, potentially. And, oh, by the way, you're still trying to run your business. So I think – it can cause a lot of anxiety. It can cause a lot of you know, drain, drain a lot of resources that could be, be spent better, you know, elsewhere. Obviously, um, the last one here is it's not really tax, uh, but um, it kind of goes hand in hand with, with governmental reporting. Is um, 1099s? We see a lot of folks uh, not file those or not get them right. So if if you're paying subcontractors or paying you know various you know, rents and things of that nature. Um, just understand if it's over six hundred dollars, you're probably you know you're going to be on the hook for a, a ten ninety nine requirement. So, uh, the other things, um, minor things, annual reports. You know, North Carolina has annual reports that are due, and depending on what you're doing, there could be licensing requirements. You know, uh, certain types of products uh, that require licenses. Uh, and if you're not sure, you know, especially in the retail world where I work, there's a lot of licensings with either beverages or s- some uh, you know cigarettes and tobacco and things of that nature. No, those are out there. Um, and it could, but it could be anything. Um, the fourth one here I listed is um, really a lack of market research or ineffective marketing. And um, I lo- like I said, I love working with entrepreneurs. They're some of the most creative, innovative, and talented people that, that I've ever worked with. I mean, they, they, the excitement is great, and they, you know, they've got the next best thing, and mm-hmm. uh, whether it be a service, but uh, you know, they think I've got a huge market for this, right? Um, but really, it goes down to really knowing your market. You know, they, they, um, you know, they think they have a broad market for their services, and they come to find out it's like, well, why aren't sales, you know, where they should be? And um, you know, you know, I, I thought everybody would just love this, and you know, so what happens in reality is is they, um, you know, waste uh, resources and, and marketing uh, dollars uh, chasing consumers that never had any intention of buying their product in the first place. So. Really knowing your market and, and look at a more targeted market versus a broad um, market um, would help. Well, and one thing that we like to talk about is what we call customer discovery, which I think is sort of before you start writing those checks and yeah. saying I've got the yeah you know, the great new product is actually getting out there talking to customers to see do they actually make sure there's a need for your product. Is there a need yep. for it? Are they willing to pay for it? How much are they willing to pay for it? And and doing there there are no guarantees out there, but spending some time on the front end doing the market research like you're talking about can can save you a lot of heartburn down the road yeah and that's my last point on that was um, seek resources you know part with the partner with the the small business centers uh, such as the one you work with there Um, trade industry associations are great sources of information um, but just do that market um, research engage that uh, need or want uh, for your product 
uh, before you dive in head first. Well, you know, one, one question I wanted to throw it, uh, at you, Tim, you know, and, and Gary as well, is just you know, when and it sort of goes back to your, your when you're talking about costs and your margins, uh, another challenge that a lot of businesses have is is pricing. You mm-hmm. know, I'm, I'm starting a business. Uh, I want to attract. I, I need to start attracting customers. You know, there is certainly an incentive to maybe underprice initially. It's hard sometimes once you do that and establish your prices to raise your prices. Um, so I, you know, I think it does come back to the market research of trying to understand uh, what your competition is doing. Yeah, I, personally, I tell people that trying to be the low price person in the market is is not a winning long term strategy. You, you sort of need to know what the range of your competition is, and yeah, you, know, you 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 know you really unless you've got something extraordinary, you really can't price particularly too much high outside of that range. Uh, but you can be on the high end of the range if you're offering good value. But I don't, I don't know, I don't know, uh, Tim, how you have discussions with clients in terms of looking at their pricing and determining, hey, you, you might be able to get a little bit more. You know, you know you, cutting expenses or, or managing expenses is one way to improve your margins. The other can be raising your prices. Yeah. Well, you know, when you're working with you know, selling a product, there's three things you got to really pay attention to, and, and that's where you kind of got to define your market. It's like. There's three things, pricing, quality, and service. And you can't be good in all three. There's just nobody. If anybody tells you that, they're crazy. You think of the grocery industry. You look at Walmart, low-priced, not the best quality, service is marginal. You go to a Publix, higher prices, but better service and better quality. So you kind of got to understand what the playing field is, and then you can gauge, you know, gosh, you know, based on the quality of the service aspect that I'm providing, what price can I kind of where do I want to be? Am I low price? Am I middle of the road? Or am I high price? So those are the three things that I would look at when you're doing uh, a price analysis. Um, and of course, you know, tagging on along the cost, because you might say, hey, this price works for me. But if you look at your cost and you're not making any money, well, who's going to do that? So um, that's how I would probably approach that. Okay, but you probably just lost us the Walmart sponsorship there. But go ahead. All right. <laughs> So, they bring uh, a value. Yeah. It's just a different value. All right. All right. You, you, you try to clean that up. Right. All right. So lastly here, um, very important, especially if you're selling goods, is inventory control. So whether you're manufacturing them, whether you're buying them for resale, uh, you know, inventory can represent a large yeah. item on your balance sheet, whether it be uh, raw materials, work in process, or finished goods. So, um, and it can also be a financial drain on your cash. You know, you need inventory. You, you got to sell. You got to churn and burn. So um, one of the biggest things I see is overproduction, overordering. Um, you know, it's like uh, you know, can, it can result in some really big issues, especially with cash, because if you overorder and you're not selling it, well, that inventory is sitting on your shelves and it's not doing anything for you. Well, that's where you can really help your client, because when you're doing the monthly profit and loss statement, they could show they're making yep. money on a piece of paper. But, but there's no they, cash. But they got an inventory, <laughs> or like you said, they're not collecting the receivables right. as quickly. I mean, that's where you can really help. Because again, entrepreneurs, all of us that are going into business, we're, we're thinking about the product or service we're going to offer, not the financial side. We just assume it's all going to work out. Yeah. And, and going back to my bakery examples, like why am I making 100 loaves of bread when I'm only selling 25? I mean, right. that makes no sense. I'm going to either throw them in the garbage or I'm going to put them in a discount bargain bin and and sell them at a you know a loss yeah. or a lower margin. So uh, really matching that. Um, product uh, production with demand, mm-hmm. um, you know, making good purchasing decisions. I see a lot of clients 
buy a huge quantity discount you know, or a huge quantity for a discount. And it's like, you know, that's great. You got a great price on it, but you got to look at storage costs. You got to look at, you know, that cash being tied up. You might not use that Maybe for a while. Be obsolete. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, especially if you're dealing with a perishable product yeah. as well. Um, theft and loss, you know, any inventory is ripe for both of those. Um, uh, really, you know, securing your high value inventory and making sure that those are locked up, um, having access and key controls, using cameras, um, you know, having a thorough receiving process. Vendor theft is a little bit rampant in uh, certain industries. So um, it's, it's important to have somebody that's, as the goods are coming in the door, that they're counting them, they're inspecting them, they're making sure they're ticking in time to make sure what they ordered is what they're getting, all that good stuff. Storage and handling is another um, issue that I've seen, um, you know, clients get crossways with. And that could be, that's really education. That could be something as simple as te teaching somebody how to open a box with a box cutter. You don't want some, you know, you know, person in there just slashing boxes open because they'd be damaging the product. You can't sell that. Who's going to buy that? So that that's key, um, you know, knowing product storage temperatures, uh, knowing product rotation practices, uh, you know, making sure you're putting the, you know, the first one that expire in the front, you know, because mm -hmm. you don't, you know, want to have that one in the back because, you know, it's out of date. You can't buy, you know, nobody's going to buy it. Um, knowing load limits, you know, on storage, you know, you're not going to, when something, it should only be stacked three deep, don't make them five because you're going to have crushed product on the bottom that you can't sell. So uh, the last one here is SKU rationalization. So, um, you know, looking at that uh, on a, on a frequent basis to understand, you know, why do I have 20 varieties when I'm only selling 10 on a regular basis? So I've got mm -hmm. 10 that are just doing nothing. They're sitting on my shelf. They're getting thrown in the uh, garbage because they expire or they're, you know, out of date or, you know, out of whatever, um, or, you know, sell them at a discount. So, um, you know, getting, um, getting away with, from things like that, um, also involves, you know, looking at your sales velocity on a frequent basis, making decisions whether to carry, not carry, produce, not produce, um, and, you know, why we, we make a bunch of something that's uh, never going to sell. I mean, that's never a winning combination for anything. So. Well, I, I know I'm sitting here with a couple of bean counters, but, yeah, you guys have, you have to have the right presentation out there. I need those SKUs. Yeah, that's, that's, that's my old sales background. That's, right. yeah, we that's gotta, your background. We've got to exactly. be able to show all those SKUs and have the right presentation. I've heard yeah. those arguments before. So. Yeah, so those are those are the uh, probably the top five that I've seen uh, clients get uh, in trouble with. Um, a lot of them are fixable, you know, for the mm -hmm. most part. And there's some, you know, if you catch them early enough, we can we can help. Um, some have been good the, management. Can make yeah, that. some have been the demise of a, of a company too. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, I, yeah, I think it goes to show just uh, a good uh, a good accounting professional uh, is going to do more than just give you numbers and and walk away they're going to help you understand what these numbers mean and hopefully manage your business more effectively so yeah. I, I think that's sort of comes back to what what that's the issues that you're seeing and talking about here yeah and i and like i said i think that's you know one of the biggest um things that we like to offer is just you know here, the numbers are the numbers let's let's drill down and, and understand them um, because you need to yeah well i i, I think those are good uh, solid things and and um you know, obviously, they they certainly overlap or are somewhat accounting related, but they're also just good general business yeah, uh, right. advice that you need to be thinking about as you get up and, and going. And uh, you know, Tim, any other advice that you have for our, our listeners who might be considering starting or, or growing their own business? Yeah, I, you know, we obviously um, 
focused on a lot of the negative things today, but you know, they're good. They're good things. But if you identify them, they become positive. Exactly. So, uh, but don't let those issues deter you from wanting to start your own business. I think a lot of these are things that we can fix or be proactive on. Um, you know, you know, there's a lot of resources out there, whether it be a, um, a small business center or professionals like myself that can, that can help. So, um, you know, the biggest thing is, you know, do your homework, um, be realistic, surround yourself with a good team of professionals and go for it. Yeah. Sounds good. Good advice. And, good advice. Yeah. And I, and I, I, I neglected to ask, I was just curious, just in terms of the current business environment, um, you know, I suspect that there are some tax law changes that might be coming down the pike at some point in time. Yeah. I, I know that the Fed is making noise about maybe raising interest rates and things like that. I mean, what, what are you, what are you, anything uh, in your crystal ball out there that says uh, here's what here's what to expect is the environment still good or are we should we be uh, tightening things up at this point in yeah time? Well, I think it's in terms of taxes I think it's uh, it's pretty widely known that they're going to go up now that we don't know how much yet uh, we've heard a lot of numbers being kicked around we've heard a lot of proposals being thrown it's just on those rich people so yeah come on yeah, that's right so um, it's it's still being you know obviously debated but mm-hmm. uh, we don't really have a whole lot of clarity. We're just getting bits and bits and pieces from different sources. But uh, you know, as soon as we do, uh, we'll definitely be uh, putting out some social media posts and a lot of the stuff that we can put on our website. That if anybody would like to um, look at that, they're welcome t- uh, to look at it as well. But I-, I would say just a couple other three things. I think that um, you know, challenges that are you know, a lot of uh, small business are. are um, working through right now are just higher costs in general. I think um, really being prepared to pay more on just about everything, whether it be raw materials, labor, shipping. Shipping is big right now. Um, you know, be prepared to um, absorb those, take those on, and more importantly, uh, make a decision on how and, and if you're going to pass those along in, to the mm-hmm. consumer. Uh, you got to be careful with that. Um, the second thing is supply chain. Uh, we all know the big chip shortage and all that stuff. So whether it be a, a availability of raw materials or a sourcing from a different vendor or sourcing from a different part of the country, uh, make it on your make it on your own. Um, I would also uh, ask that clients, you know, uh, look at their uh, ordering uh, a little bit differently. So if I normally order a rectangular piece of sheet metal, you know, I can't get that. Well, why don't you look at um, um, you know, a circular piece, would that work for you? You know, just being creative with that supply chain and thinking through those decisions. Um, the last thing would be labor. You know, I, th- I don't think you can go very far without finding a help wanted sign and anywhere you go. So, uh, and businesses have tried all kinds of things, whether it be hiring bonuses, higher wages, you know, flexible hours, educational assistance. Uh, I would suggest companies continue to do those. Um, but I would also say don't look, what, don't overlook what you have in-house already. You know, take care of those people, too, because those are the people that have stuck with you. They've you know, put in the hours. They've probably worked extra hours. But make sure you're taking care of them financially, emotionally uh, as well. So basically protecting what you've got. And uh, the other thing I would say is, you know, now might be a good time, you know, maybe not f- so much for small businesses, um, to look at how automation can, you know, play a key part in, uh, you know, if there's no labor, then, you know, gosh, should I automate or try to automate some things. So I think those three things on top of the taxes would be some of the challenges that I think we're going to face. Point you made about labor, your current employees is critical because sometimes you're 
not focused on them and they leave and then you got the retraining cost and, exactly and then usually the person coming in will take a while if we're lucky to get up to that person and sometimes we forget that twenty dollar gifts or mcdonald's gift certificates for everyone gary <laughs> there you Come go on, i saw some around you yeah. were they, they couldn't see it on the podcast but i saw the eyes ah. cutting at me i'll take the golf balls okay yeah <laughs> Well, Tim, we very much appreciate you joining us. We always like to have our guests do our lightning round. You up for that? Sure. Okay. Not? Well, this uh, this month's lightning round is sponsored by Globo Gym. If you if you, do you need to lose weight, get in shape. Well, Globo Gym probably is not the right place. But if you look good, you should go to Globo Gym. Check it out on the internet. So, Tim, we've got some quick questions, quick answers. Here we go. First off, what is your biggest pet peeve? People who don't use turn signals. I agree with you 100% on that. We're, we're down on that. That's excellent. If you have one where you leave it on for too long. I can live. I don't like that, but I can live with that. It's the people that, that just erratically awesome. turn without telling me right. make me insane. So that's a good one. Favorite vacation spot? Hilton Head, South Carolina. So, sounds like a golfer. Yep. Who is going to win this year's Super Bowl? Oh, I hope it's the Chiefs, but um, – I don't know. I think Tampa, it might be a repeat of last year. You know, Tampa Bay looks pretty mm-hmm. strong as well, so we'll see. Beatles or Rolling Stones? Rolling Stones. Not, no he hesitation there. Yeah. <laughs> Any TV or movie streaming recommendations? Oh, geez. I like Narcos. That was really good on Netflix. Um, okay. And um, that's about it. I, yeah. We'll check out. Narcos. I don't really. I'm not. I'm, if it's not sports, I generally don't watch it. But, okay. Uh, I did get. I did kind of get into that one. Last question. If you could have one superpower, what would it be? Oh, wow. Um, probably just to be able to fly. I don't know. Just take off good, and go anywhere I wanted to. That's a good one. <laughs> All right. I, I think that would be a good one. All right. Well, thank you for joining us. Uh, if people are looking for you or your firm, Davidson, Holland, and Weinsel, where can they find you? They can find us uh, at I'm, I could be reached at 828-322-2070. Or, <laughs> right, well, is that a real phone number? Wait a sec. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Or Tim at uh, dhw.cpa. And uh, and what's what's uh, David Tomlinson Weissel's website? It's uh, www.dhw.cpa. Okay, that's where you can find Tim. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for being uh, with thank us. Thank you. Uh, we always like to end up our show with uh, a couple small businesses that we've come across. So, Gary, what uh, what small business are you going to give a shout out to uh, uh, this surprise, month? You know. Okay. Really. This month, I'm going to highlight two of my favorite places to eat when I go to our Alexander campus okay. in Taylorsville. And as you know, I love food and I love Southern family-style food and barbecue. I, it, it, I better not be McDonald's. It's not McDonald's. Okay, go ahead. I, I could have used that because we're there many times a day. <laughs> and with those clues of uh, family-style and barbecue, do you have an idea who it might be? I'm, I'm, I'm open. I'm listening. Go ahead. Okay. Well, the first restaurant I want to talk about is scotty's hometown grill have you ever eaten there i don't think so okay it's hometown cooking at its best casual atmosphere friendly service and great selection it's a place everyone raves about and you will when i'll take you we'll go out to taylorville and we'll see our uh, facility okay uh never had a bad meal at scotty's okay the second restaurant i want to highlight is apple city barbecue have you had that it's possible i actually have had that I was going to say, because we cater at the college. Okay, no, I've, I've, stopped, I've stopped by there before. Okay. I noticed that they're open just Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday now. But that's probably 
perfect. You can only make it too much barbecue. But they're dedicated to serving authentic pit cook uh, barbecue, smoke slowly over uh, hickory wood. Family owned and operated, so we like that. And like I said, they offer, just like Scotty's, dine in, dine out, and they'll cater. And so I wanted to recommend both of these because they've got great food. And of course, there's small businesses that are still doing well in the pandemic. So. Well, good deal. Yeah, and I've, I've, I've had the barbecue, good barbecue. Yeah, it is. So, uh, small business that I came across is called the Devil's Foot Beverage Company in Asheville, North Carolina. I like that. Uh, it was started by a husband and wife, uh, Ben and Vashti Colvin, and their friends Jacob Bauman, Aaron, Aaron Wilson, and Carly Reese, who set out to solve a problem, how to create a healthy alternative to alcohol and sugary artificial sodas. So uh, uh, they came up with, they have come up with a line of uh, natural sodas that can be used as mixers or, or just you can drink them on their own from ginger beer to blackberry ginger beer, uh, uh, limeade, lemonade, and different types of flavor. Uh, ben Colvin credits his wife uh, as being the inspiration behind the company's name uh, when the group was experimenting with concoctions for ginger beer and other cocktail mixers in their kitchen. He said, a group of friends were having a beer, and my wife found out she was just pregnant, and she was looking at us having a beer, and she was drinking water, and she was feeling a bit grumpy and realized <laughs> that we there was a gap there that was missing that they have worked uh, to change. So they use uh, natural ingredients found in the Asheville area, uh, organic sugars, local and regional honeys, uh, lower calories than your typical soda. So uh, we should be checking them out, and uh, their website is devilsfootbrew.com. You can find them uh, in over 300 locations throughout the southeast, including Earth Fair, and they're actually right in our mesh neighborhood at uh, a place called the Beer Cellar, which just is a couple blocks over. Oh, wow. So, And you can order online. So anyway, guys should check it out. Very so. good. So, listeners, if you've got a suggestion for the Entrepreneur Exchange Small Business of the Month, you can email them to us at eexchange at themesh.tv. And if we use yours, you'll get one of our prize packs. We want to thank Tim Reynolds for joining us today, and we want to thank the Mesh Podcast Network at themesh.tv. You should be checking out all the cool podcasts that they have to offer. They've got some new ones. They've got some old ones. They've got all sorts of cool stuff going on, so... Go to the mesh.tv, check out uh, all the podcasts there. And uh, we're moving into fall. Nice weather. Get outside, enjoy yourself, and we look forward to talking with you again next month. Take care. been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.